brought those Greeks to Jesus. And what did they expect to see? You know, John never tells us. Nor does he tell us what happened to them. They just kind of disappear from the story. But doesn't it make you wonder? To see Jesus, to really see Jesus, is frankly to take a great risk. How can anyone remain the same? Now, not everyone really sees him, but to those who do, it really can often be one of the real turning points of life. Jesus himself talks about it in terms of losing your life to gain it. Now, that sounds pretty grim, doesn't it? Who wants to lose their life? A few do. Some quite literally and therefore inflict terrible pain on those they leave behind. To be clear that suicide is not what Jesus is talking about. Most of us who find ourselves dissatisfied with our life as it is, think in terms of tinkering, not losing. You know, I'll make an adjustment here or there, but lose everything? Yet there are times in life when we make that decision. Say you have to move, you lose home and friends and position in the community, and you have to start all over again. It brings a lot of tears. It also brings a new life. And often folk can look bad and be back and be really glad that they made that move. When my youngest child went off to college, a friend asked me, how are you coping with empty nest? With song and dance. <laughs> and it's not that I don't love my kids. They're absolutely terrific kids, best ever. But I was really ready for something else. It was time to lose that life and discover the joys of a new one. But other times to lose our life is painful beyond measure. A beloved spouse dies and finding a new life is not what we want to do. For yet others, finding a new life is literally a matter of life or death. Ask anybody who's been through AA. Those of us who've grown up as Christians don't always understand just how different it can be to step into that new life. Ask someone who's done it. You know, I spend my summers up in the little corner of Michigan where Sunday morning finds the meeting house full for worship. And those of us who are ministers take turns preaching. One time after service, this really nice looking young blonde man came up to me and he says, grinning from ear to ear, he says, I've just become a Christian and it's so terrific I have to tell somebody about it. Would that we all had that kind of energy and enthusiasm. But even if we've grown up in the faith, there comes a time when following Jesus takes on a whole new meaning and we find ourselves called out into something new. I made a midlife decision to go into the ministry and I will tell you that it literally felt like jumping off the bridge. I was terrified because I knew that my life would never again be the same. Now I wouldn't trade it for anything. So what is it that Jesus is calling you to do? Chances are it will mean leaving behind some old understanding of yourself. One of my elders in my Long Island church discovered a really wonderful strength of leadership in herself that she didn't know she had. And she said to me, it's quite extraordinary to spend so much of my life thinking I was one kind of person only to discover that I am now something else. 
Jesus warns us that to follow him is to leave behind the old life and walk forward into something new. In her book, Teaching a Stone to Talk, Annie Dillard says, does anyone have the foggiest idea of the power we so blithely invoke? Or as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? The churches are children playing on the floor with their chemistry set, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. It's madness to wear ladies' hats, straw hats, velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. Well, Oscar Romero was someone who understood that. He became Archbishop of San Salvador during a time of really terrible government oppression. The death squads were silencing anyone who dared to speak out. And so Romero had called for a stop to the violence, and he made a practice of reading every Sunday morning the names of those who had been killed that week. On March 24th at the 1980, at the funeral mass for the mother of a friend whose newspaper had been bombed for criticizing the government, the gospel reading was this text from John 12 that I've just read to you. And standing at the altar, Romero said, you have just heard in the gospel of Christ that one must not love oneself so much as to avoid getting involved in the risks of life that history demands of us, and that those who try to fend off danger will lose their lives. But whoever out of love for Christ gives himself to the service of others will live. Only in undoing itself, oh, if, like the grain of wheat that dies, if it did not die, it would remain alone. Only in undoing itself does it produce the harvest. This holy mass, this Eucharist, is an act of faith. To Christian faith at this moment, the voice of diatribe appears changed for the body of the Lord, who offered himself for the redemption of the world, and in this chalice, the wine is transformed into the blood that was the price of our salvation. May this body and this blood sacrificed nourish us also, so that we may give our body and our blood to suffering and to pain, like Christ, not for self, but to give concepts of justice and peace to our people. Let us join together then intimately in faith and hope at this moment of prayer for Dania Sarita and for ourselves. And at that moment, as he said those words, a shot rang out and he was dead at his altar. We don't know what will happen to us when we come to see Jesus any more than when we know what happened to those ancient Greeks. What we do know is that their visit triggers something very important for Jesus. You see, he doesn't ask us to go where he hasn't already gone himself. He talks about losing your life to find it because that's what he's about to do. And when those strangers appear, it tells him that it is now time. Is that because they're not Jews, but the world that Jesus has come to save? It is the world he's come to save. For whatever reason, the hour has come. It is time. Time to take the final step, to complete the mission, to finish the task. While for us, losing and finding our lives may be figurative, for him, it was literal. 
Jesus knew that he was on a collision course with the world. And he knew that the only way to get there was to go forward right through it. There was just no backing out. And Jesus knew perfectly well that execution lay before him. He knew, and I suspect very much, he would very much have liked to back out. What should I say? Save me from this hour? But to back out now would be to undo everything that he's come for. No, he says, I will go forward. I will lose my life in order to save it, even more in order to save yours. And the voice of God rumbles approval. Some heard it as the voice of God, others only thunder. And you know, I suspect there are times for all of us when the voice of God comes and we'd like to pass it off as thunder. Perhaps because we're not listening for God. So often the voice comes not in church, not when we're praying or reading the Bible, but when we least expect it. You know, God's voice always comes not on our timing, but on God's. And this particular time, it came to assure not Jesus, but those around him that he was indeed on the right path. Now, we know how hard it is for us to talk about losing our life in order to find it. Think what it was like for the disciples to hear that Jesus' willingness to go forward, even when it knew it meant execution, was indeed the way to go. It was even harder for them to know what that might mean for them. But of course, all they could see was the pain. It wasn't until it was all over, not until the cross and the tomb after the resurrection that they could begin to see the new life. And then they knew that there was new life for them, for Jesus, and for all the others, for you, for me, and for so many others who think they only hear thunder. Oh, let them hear God. Amen.